0: Uh, we asked the the body to to make a, a special um, just effort to be here uh, today, and, and many of you guys have been excited uh, to hear. Well, you know what's going on. What you know what's what's happening, uh, and and so Rory and Kevin get, had an opportunity to go and and spend some time at a conference. But I really want to to emphasize that that this is something that has been building uh, in our heart as a as an eldership as a church. Uh, and since the fast, I would say there's been a lot of anticipation of, uh, of, of what, what's going on in, in the body of Christ at Calvary Chapel, Crook County, uh, and, and where is God leading us and what is he leading us to. Uh, and so we've been going through uh, just an, an amazing time uh, of seeking the Lord and seeking his desire and his will. And, um, and so this isn't a, a, new, a new thing. Uh, and I wanted to, um, but this is just an, an opportunity for us to share uh, our heart with you uh, and what the Lord is doing in our hearts uh, as elders, as those who are, who are, who are uh, um, just called it to follow Christ. And that's all of us together as a body. Uh, and so we are, we're just wanting to share our heart, what God's leading us to. And with that, uh, I've got something I'd like to read. And it starts, uh, I'm going to read some scripture from Matthew 28. If you, Most of you will be familiar with this. You don't necessarily have to turn there. Matthew 28:18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am always even with you, even till the end of the age. The following is a short timeline of God's wonderful work in moving Calvary Chapel of Crook County toward His plan of making disciples of all nations for His glory. In 2002, Ryan Couch was serving as an assistant pastor at the Redmond Calvary Chapel. The furthest thing from his mind would be starting a church in Prineville. But God was at work and sent people from Prineville to ask him to start a church soon after the Prineville Calvary was born. So God begins his process in Calvary Chapel of making disciples of all nations. In 2007, God opened the doors for Calvary Chapel to begin operation of the Oasis Soup Kitchen. This began a six-year ministry, which included the Crook County Connect, where his resources met people's needs. This ministry to the community's needy caused the leadership to research and pray about how to serve a disadvantaged society and to ask the question, What is a truly poor community? In 2008, an influential Christian leader simply asked the elders, What is your intentional plan to make disciples? The question left Calvary Chapel in a good place of asking, What is our discipleship plan? Thus, a small path was started towards examining the word for intentional discipleship making. In 2009, God brought Rory to be a part of the work in Prineville. And by grace, yeah, that's a good thing, huh? And by grace, the practice of prayer and fasting, which was influential in his life and ministry, and was used to manifest God's power and direction in this ministry. In 2010, God had the elders cross paths with a teaching from Pastor Francis Chan, and they were compelled to share it with the church. The message merely said, are we looking at the Bible and following everything that God has laid out for us? So this led to the question, are we taking on the discipleship task biblically? This led Calvary Chapel in 2011 and 12 to move from a midweek Bible study with little gospel community to weekly 242 home groups and smaller core groups of disciples where life on life Biblical application and accountability could take place. This was following the pattern of Jesus found in the scriptures of making disciples. Soon after, during a mundane family shopping trip in a secular store, God directed one of the elders to pick up a bright orange book by David Platt titled Radical, taking back your faith from the American dream. This elder buys it, reads it, and finds it to be, as its title states, Radical, but also seemingly true. He brings it before the elders and asks them to test it. After reading and discussing, they find a very biblical call for the followers of Jesus to actually take up their cross and follow him, as it says in Luke 9.23. For five years, the church has attended annually the Calvary Boise Leadership Conference. In 2012 and 2013, the year's theme Heart for the harvest would prompt Calvary Chapel to regularly pray that God would send out workers from this church into the harvest field. Christ has been equipping elders to lead this church towards global discipleship. The growing church saw a season of only three elders, which made carrying the broad weight of oversight difficult. In his good pleasure and timing, he added to the number two more men to disperse the load and free up attention towards his mission. In 2013, the elder saw the need to create a school of discipleship for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry in the church and for the world. The first year of these equipped classes will be completed this Wednesday. In 2014, God continues to place an importance on his word as the elders are reading and being influenced by the writings of biblical theologians such as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Charles Spurgeon, D.L. Moody, Arta John Piper, David Platt, Francis Chan, and Alistair Begg to name a few. The call to urgent evangelism is heard and the gospel begins its way to every part of this community, primarily with door-to-door and workplace evangelism. In April of 2014, the fifth annual week of corporate prayer and fasting at Calvary Chapel was held during Passion Week. The people anticipated revival as they, were gather, or as they were given a renewed vision of Jesus and his call to make disciples of all nations. He did not disappoint. Evidence of his moving was seen in sorrow and repentance from self-centeredness, new hearts and people to join in the global injustices of the world were birthed. Hearts desiring to see the people of Prineville, as well as the rest of the world come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ cried out as many of the times of uh, cried out at many of the times of prayer that was heard. The church was witness to Jesus immediately answering these prayers as a handful of people from our community believed in him for the very first time. The lost were saved. Cries for global and local missions were birthed. The week of fasting closed with a building of anticipation and eagerness for what God is going to do in the church for the world, and this is continuing. This May, God prepared the way for many servants from the church to return to the Boise Leadership Conference conference with expectancy, spurred by the motto, spiritual awakening. They felt the call to position themselves for the wave of the Spirit to move through a lifestyle of daily concentrated prayer, scripture reading, and regular fasting. Last week, the Lord sent Rory and Kevin to Birmingham for a three-day intensive missions conference with 100 church leaders from all over the world. God, in his grace, used this time to open their eyes to his full biblical command to make followers of Jesus from all nations for the purpose of his universal glory. In this time away with the Lord, through much prayer and instruction, the next step in the gracious plan of God to use Calvary Chapel of Crook County for his glory and our joy was revealed.
1: If you have your bibles with you and i hope you do you can take them out and hold them in your lap because we're going to be blowing through some scripture today but before we do i want to remind you part of the timeline that aaron read includes two weeks ago two weeks ago on a sunday morning may 11th the elders had had a plan for months that we were going to read a certain passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and use that as a special day to, uh, to unroll some uh, leadership in the church and, and just through some, some talking and praying, that was postponed. And in that, the Lord moved a different direction in the Sunday morning teaching. And in that teaching, we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, where Paul says, I'm going to tarry in Ephesus because a great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And we took that Sunday to look at a New Testament principle called open doors. We looked at the New Testament we saw that God does work in such ways that there are open doors for the gospel to be spread. That hearts would be open to the conviction and power of the Holy Spirit. And so we rose up together as a church congregation and we cried out that God would open up doors for our church to preach the gospel and that gospel message to be heard and received and acted upon. For the glory of God, we cried out together as a church, not only for those two services, but during the week at the Pulse and in our private uh, and and core group prayer times. And I want you to remember that, that we cried out as a church, not only two Sundays ago, but in our fast during April 14th through 21st, we cried out for open doors. Remember that because it's going to play an important part of our sharing today when Kevin comes up. But my job right now, what I want to preach to you, is that there is a biblical basis for global mission. I want you to remember one primary truth, that we have been created, called, and commissioned by God to make disciples of all nations. And that is a we, friends. That is a we, <clears throat> From the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, God said, Let us make man in our image. God almost jeopardizes his glory by creating something to be like him and reflect him. He says, Let us create man in our image. Things could go wrong <laughs> to make them according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle, over the earth, over the man or excuse me, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over all of these creatures. Verse 29 says, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food, also every beast of the earth, bird of the air, everything that creeps on the earth, that there's life. I've given every green herb for food, and it was so that God saw everything that he made. Indeed, it was good, so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It's there in Genesis chapter 1 that we have the doctrine that's called the imago Day. That means the image of God. That out of all of the creatures, out of the, the millions of things, all down to the atom, to the biggest star up in the sky, God created one thing that he said is very good. And it was man, it was woman that he created in his image to reflect his glory. And then he said, go out. Go out and fill this whole earth. Be fruitful and multiply. And share my glory is the doctrine. Share my glory to the uttermost parts Of the earth. We enjoy God's grace in relationship with Him since creation. But it wasn't to end there. We were to extend God's glory to the ends of the earth. Remember, we have been created, we have been called, and we have been commissioned by God. We have a purpose as the people of God to enjoy God's grace and having relationship with him. There's so many gifts, and every good and perfect thing that has been given to us is from the Father of lights, but it's not to end there. Biblical doctrine of this, Imago Day is that we would then extend God's glory from his grace to the ends of the earth. You've heard us state, hundreds of times from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Number one, the first question is, what is the chief end of man? And you should know it. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Well, the question might also be asked, well, what's the chief end of God? To glorify God and enjoy himself forever anything less is idolatry the end of it all is the glory of god to the nations listen to what john piper says in his book let the nations be glad exclamation point he says missions is not the ultimate goal of the church worship is Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their face before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides for. Ever. And so, as you go to your quiet times in the morning, and as you go to your Sunday gatherings, and your core groups, and your home groups, and any time that you would open up this leatherback book, you remember the meta narrative of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation. That means God's own story about Himself, that there is one common thread throughout the whole of Scripture. And that is God's zeal for his own glory, which he displays by saving sinners, which he does by sacrificing his only son. There are texts saturated in the scripture that I must say that I have neglected and passed over and sought another end. Texts that show God's zeal for his own glory. You see, God chooses people for his own glory. That's that ultimate end. In Ephesians chapter one, verses four through six, it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, we often stop there and just let it all end on me. Oh yes, I'm adopted, I'm a son, and there's all these Good pleasures of his grace on me. It doesn't end there. The whole of scripture goes on to say, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he's made us acceptable in the beloved. God created us for his glory. Isaiah 43, six through seven says, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, don't keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I've formed you, yes, I've made him. In Jeremiah 13, 11, For as the sash clings to the waist of a man, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Lord, that they may become my people for renown, for praise, and for glory. God rescued Egypt for his glory. In Psalm 106, 7 and 8, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitudes of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might, might make his mighty powers known. God raised up Pharaoh to show his glory and his name in Romans nine seventeen. for the scripture says to Pharaoh for this very purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. God defeated Pharaoh by the Red Sea to show his glory in Exodus fourteen four. then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. God spared Israel later on in the wilderness for what purpose? For the glory of His name. In Second Samuel seven, uh, or excuse me, Ezekiel twenty verse fourteen, he says, "But I acted for My name's sake, that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles in whose sight I brought them out." God gave victory in Canaan for the glory of His name. In Second Samuel seven twenty three, who is like you people? Uh, who is like you people like Israel? the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people to make himself a name and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds in your land before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. God did not cast away his people Israel for the glory of his name. In 1 Samuel twelve twenty, then Samuel said to the people, do not fear You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And two verses later, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it pleased the Lord to make you his people. It goes on. God saved Jerusalem from attack for the glory of his name. In 2 Kings 19.34, For I will defend this city and save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. God restored Israel from exile For the glory of His name, in Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-two through twenty-three, therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Who do not want, excuse me, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for My holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went, and I will sanctify My great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord God, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed before you before their eyes. You catch the worship that's needed and the worship that's neglected. Jesus sought the glory of the Father in all that he did. In John 7, 18, he who speaks from himself seeks after his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and no unrighteousness is in him. Jesus told us to do good works so that God gets glory. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 1 Peter 2.12 says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your uh, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. <clears throat> Jesus warned that not seeking God's glory makes faith impossible. In John 5.44, he says, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Jesus said that he answers prayer that God would be glorified. In John 14, 13, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus endured his final hours of suffering for God's glory. In John 12, 27, and 28, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, "I have both glorified it and will glorify it again." God gave His Son to vindicate the glory of His righteousness. In Romans three twenty five through twenty six, whom God sent forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness, that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God forgives sins. For what purpose? For his own glory. In Isaiah 43, 25, I even I am he who blots out your transgressions. For why? For my own name. For my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Psalm 25, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Jesus receives us into fellowship for the glory of God. In Romans fifteen, seven. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son of God. In John sixteen, fourteen. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. God instructs us to do everything for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Therefore, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. God tells us to serve in such a way that will glorify him. In 1 Peter 4, 11, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability that God provides, that in all things God may be glorified. Through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jesus will fill us with the fruits of righteousness. For what purpose? Hopefully, you're getting it by now. Like. <laughs> For his own glory. Philippians 1 and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And then verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All are under judgment. For dishonoring God's glory. In Romans chapter 1 verse 22 and 23. Professing to be wise they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God. Into an image made like corruptible man. And birds and forfeited animals and creeping things. And Romans 3.23 says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Herod is struck dead because he didn't give glory to God. In Acts chapter 12, verse 23, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. Jesus is coming again one day. For what purpose? For me. For the glory of God. He's coming again for the glory of God. 2 Thessalonians 1, 9-10 These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Jesus' ultimate aim for us is that we would see and enjoy his glory. In John 17, 24 Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which you've given me, for you love me before the foundations of the world. Even in wrath, God's aim is to make known the wealth of his glory. In Romans 9, through 23, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his wisdom and power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he'd prepared beforehand for glory. God's plan is to fill the whole earth with the knowledge of his glory. That's his ultimate plan. In Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Everything that happens will redound to God's glory. In Romans 11:36, for of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. In the new Jerusalem, in heaven one day, the glory of God will replace the sun. Revelation twenty-one, twenty-three. the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And so we have just these incredible truths of God blessing us and delivering us and fighting for us and working miracles among us and healing us and championing salvation for us so that we might not die but have everlasting life. But we think that ends with me so I can live comfortable, so that I can have warm fuzzies inside, so that I can have comfort. And me, 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 we are so self-centered and we've disconnected God's grace and God's glory. All of his grace towards us is to move us towards his glory. And in Psalm 67, verses 1 through 4, we see a combination of it all. God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That means pause and think about it. And we all say amen and we get out our highlighters and (laughs) highlight that verse, right? God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon me, upon me, right? But think about that, Selah. And that's good. But there's a verse too that your way may be known on the earth and your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And so we have this grace of God and the blessings and the mercy of God bestowed out on us. But it's not to end with us, it's to go out to all the nations for the glory of God. The blessing of God was never intended to center on my life but to spread through my life. I want to ask you, church, what is the essence of Christianity? Most of us would say, whatever it is, it centers on me. God's love for me, his wanting of me, what I can do for him. And we've disconnected the grace of God from the purpose of his grace, his glory. It's the beauty of the gospel of God, that God has orchestrated all of history to exalt God's glory by saving sinners, by sacrificing his son. God ordains his people to enjoy his glory. He told Abraham in Genesis and Chapter 12 and chapter 26 and in chapter 28 these promises to Abraham and each time he told Abraham that in your seed all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. That speaks of a a mobilization of the people of God going out and telling all of the nations of God's grace and it would resound in praise and worship to God. At everything from the law of God, the witness of the people of Israel, it was all intended to be for the glory of God. And so we see this chief end of the church, the chief end of man, and even the chief end of God is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. And this takes place by and through making disciples. In Matthew chapter 28, Aaron read it today where Jesus says, you know, he speaks of his authority. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You guys know it practically by heart, don't you? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and make disciples of all nations. Somehow in the church, there's this ambiguity of what that's to look like. We glorify God by growing as disciples of Jesus personally. He's glorified as we are recreated by the Spirit of God into the image of Christ. But we glorify God by making other disciples of Jesus as well. You can't glorify God by being made a disciple without also making disciples. The command is clear. Glorify God by making disciples. And the command has been compromised within the church. We're tempted to allow, as the video said, the American dream to transfer the culture of the church. We do everything else except the one thing that Jesus has told us to do, the Great Commission. Jesus never told us as the American church or the church in general to just construct big and glamorous buildings and to organize various programs or to build schools or colleges or universities or seminaries. Now these things are not bad in and of themselves and they are actually good in so far as they help accomplish the grand plan of God. To glorify God by making disciples of all nations. It's also important to note that these disciples are not just to be of one local people group. It would have stayed in Judea in the first century church. But it's to be of all nations, of this ethne, as the language says. This great commission that Jesus gave us is not a general command to make disciples of as many people as possible. But rather, it's a specific command to make disciples of every people group in the world. Let me put it this way. Imagine your region is hit by a hurricane. I know that's hard to imagine. I couldn't think of another natural disaster around here that would like wipe out a whole area. Sorry. Imagine your region is hit by a hurricane. So it's really bad, right? The disaster relief commander puts you in charge of rescue operations and sends you out to save lives. Common sense and the people on your team tell you to go to the immediate vicinity and start saving as many lives as possible, as near to you as possible. The disaster is so far spread that many surrounding communities have been hit and people are dying elsewhere. But everything and everyone is telling you there are so many lives to be saved right here. Just stay here with all the help and save as many people as you can as quickly as you can. Now there's a big problem with that. Your commander has told you to divide up your team and to to do more than save as many lives as you can, but rather to save people from every community. The mission is not for numbers as much as it is for rescues from every community. And so as a message like this goes forth, that we're to glorify God by making disciples of all nations, and that our vision as a church has perhaps ended, even with discipleship, at us as a church, and if we could just get people to assent to Christ and acknowledge Christ, and yes, I believe what Jesus has said, and he's died for me and He saved me from my sin, but we've neglected the rest of the great commission that this is to now go out to all nations questions are asked what about Prineville Rory can't we just stay here and do it here let's just do it here let's do as much as we can right here we've got our resources right here and I want you to to note and to have it seared into your mind that it doesn't have to be an either or thing and that is not what we're preaching today it's not one or the other It's and both. It's here for the purpose of there. It's and both. But I fear, as one of our elders said, I fear for many it's a not even. It doesn't have to be either or. It's and both. But for you today, perhaps it's not even. Are you making disciples locally? Are you making disciples of all nations? And so be careful before you begin to draw lines in the sand. It's not either or. We're to make disciples locally. And we're to make these disciples that will go and make disciples, that will go and make disciples, and that those disciples will make disciples of all nations. Our command is to all people groups in the world. It's to ethnic people groups that are still unreached with the gospel. It's to distant people groups unreached and unengaged with the gospel. I have nearly as many scriptures concerning God's heart for the nations, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to read a couple to you, right? He says, in Luke chapter 24, go preach that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. In Acts chapter 10, verse 35, in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. In Acts 15, 16 through 17, after this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who's done all these things. Romans 1, 5 says, through him we've received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all Nations. It goes on and on and on. And I close in this, this national part, this emphasis. In Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, at the end of the church age, we see the church in heaven worshiping around the throne of God. And who is there worshiping? People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people. Now there's a problem. There's a problem as we observe the current state of missions, not only in our church, but in the church as a whole. The current state of missions seems that, at best, most churches have missions as a subgroup of the church, reserved for a select few, perhaps a committee, those really radical, crazy people that, that like to go overseas. But we don't see that as a biblical example of missions. We see that every disciple is a missionary in some capacity. Every disciple is to be making disciples of all nations. And we all have different roles in this. Let me say it again. We all have different roles in this. Some are to be giving towards that. Actually, everybody's to be giving in some way. But some specifically, that's their ministry towards mission, is giving. We're all to be praying for the nations. Some of us are to be going on short-term. Some of us are to be going on mid-term, which is two to two years, two months to two years. Some of us are to be going on long-term, but not everybody is. We need to locate ourselves in the story of redemption. Because we are part of the ethnographic advance of the gospel to all nations. I want to introduce a word to you called unreached or phrase, I suppose, unreached people groups. Unreached people groups. Now, first of all, what are these people groups? People groups or nations have been defined as ethno-linguistic groups with a shared identity based on language or ethnicity. It is the largest group within which the gospel can spread without significant barriers to understanding. And so, our people group as Americans is actually very broad. I mean, it goes beyond the United States. It goes into, we have a huge people group. There's not many barriers to presenting the gospel, especially through uh, language. There are 7 billion people in the world today and 11,000 people groups. Think of that 11,000 people groups among all the world. And within that 11,000, over 6,000 people groups have never heard the gospel. They are called unreached people groups, which means that less than 2% of the population are Christians. So out of 11,000 people groups, 6,000 are unreached. And then there's another group of people called unengaged unreached people groups. And there are over 3,000 people groups in the world that are un engaged, unreached. That means not only are they unreached, but there's no active church planting work among the people. To discuss not only the people that have never heard the gospel, but have never heard the name Jesus or his plan of salvation, we cannot be okay with that. Our church cannot be okay with that. And looking at the scriptures, God is not okay with And as we see Jesus speak of the end of the world, he says in Matthew 24, 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus says before the end will come, the gospel will be preached to who? All the nations. Yet out of all the nations, 6,000 of those 11,000 people groups are unreached, And 3,000 of the six are unengaged, have never, ever, ever even heard of the concept of Jesus. And Romans chapter 10 says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You guys know it, don't you? Romans chapter 10, but how shall they call on him and whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear from him if no one preaches? And how shall someone preach if they're not sent? Oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. The breakdown is in our preaching. Are we going and making disciples of all nations? Because in the end, all the nations will have heard of Jesus. And in the end, Revelation chapter five, all tribes, nations, tongues, people groups are worshiping before the throne. Our job is not done. In fact, our job has just begun. I wanna close real quick here on my part here. There's some debate on what's a people group? I mean, really, what's a nation, what's a tribe? We have to remember that the boundaries aren't the same today as they were back in Jesus's day. So what is a people group? And a man named George Ladd says, God alone knows the definition of terms. I cannot precisely define who all the nations are, but I do not need to know. I know only one thing. Christ has not returned. Therefore, the task is not yet done. When it is done, Christ will come. My responsibility is not to insist in defining the term. My responsibility is to complete the task. So long as Christ does not return, our work is undone. Let us get busy and complete our mission. I want to show to you a video that shows the state of missions in the world to the unreached people groups.
2: I hope you're sensing a stirring of the spirit of God in in here today and in Rory's preaching in your own heart. God is doing stuff here. God has been doing stuff as, as Aaron was reading for quite some time. I hope you're here as a part of this church because you believe that God is moving. I hope you're not here because you think Rory's a great speaker or that the chairs are perhaps comfortable or this is a nice little group of people to hang out with or a myriad of other reasons. All these reasons are, are good and are great, or, or, but they're not primary. I hope you're here. I hope I'm here because I believe God is here. God is moving. God is accomplishing His purpose here. Just being a part of leadership for the last several years, um, not even really knowing what I'm doing, quite honestly, or where we're going. Or we, we've sat in many elder meetings and said, "What is our vision? <laughs> what, what's our statement?" That, that if we could just get people to understand one thing, to understand, you know, but we've just we're we're a, we're a lowly, humble. Small, uneducated group of guys that God has, for some reason, got behind us and got behind you. And it's just becoming more and more clear that God is accomplishing his purposes of global evangelism and global discipleship here. And it is humbling. And I'm just I'm having a hard time. Ta- it's humbling to be a part of that. It's humbling to believe that God would entrust us with that great plan and great mission. I know there are several people just looking across over here at the Jameses who have, who have, who have taken that call and who are, who are going and Paul's online and ministering and mom's in the back and she's going to Uganda and other people I'm sure are sponsoring and so I'm not trying to neglect anything that you've already done and are, are participating in but maybe just even for our leadership that, that God is just like 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 we are shaken to the core in in in, in seeing All of this, and it's like just every day and every everything, every next thing that comes about, God is removing uh, the the, just just bringing clarity to what He's doing and what He wants us to do, and He's just been preparing us this whole time, and we're we're so excited. If you remember that Rory was talking about uh, a little bit earlier, how how just uh, everything lined up as he was preaching that a couple of Sundays ago uh, he landed in a place that God had prepared for us before this church even began, that on that Sunday that Rory was going to be preaching, that God would open up a door, that we would pray for that, that we would believe that, that all this would be about God, for God, through that we would see this, that you you guys and we would never think that we are doing this, that we would believe that God is doing this. And he had that day planned so that you could see, so that I could see that he is doing it. And we prayed for open doors. Before Rory and I left, my, my core, our core group, we prayed specifically that God would give us connections, not just equip us with understanding of the Word and practical measures to be taken to the nations, but that we would make specific connections with people there that we could join, that we could that we could just join in this fight, that we could family and partner with to take His name to the end of the end of the world for His glory and. And I, and I think what perhaps stirred Rory and I the most as we were there is that God has answered this. And I just want to share a little bit about this with you. We, we, first, we get there to the conference, and, and it's a Sunday night, and, and we walk into this, this uh, large room. It's probably the size of, of our whole church, you know. And, and, and it's got a bunch of tables around it um, that, are, that are circles, and, and, you know, and, and there's about four or five, six guys at each table. There were some gals there, too. And uh, there was about hundred people at this conference. It was limited to the, probably the first hundred that signed up, um, and um, right away we we sense we feel the, the love of the people there of Brook Hills at this church. Um, it wasn't just this like. Student and, and teacher relationship that I was would be honestly okay with it. They would just equip us and we kind of help us, tell us what you know, to, you know, give us some understanding of the word even better, and, and you know, and then we could go upon our way. They they made known right away that that we are going to partner with you and your churches prior to us even going. Rory and I receiving emails that say we're praying for your church in Alabama. We're praying for your church. We're praying for your people. And we get there, and, and um, just these people just loved us and served us. They made, this church has got a gigantic budget, and it would be easy for them to just throw the money out here and do this and do this for you, and, and, but they brought their people instead of just their resources of money. They, they, they made us a giant potluck dinner of southern fried food the, the very first night. The people in these home groups just brought it, showed up, and left. And we come out, and it's just this, wow, this is amazing we got goodie bags. We got these goodie bags that from a, a small group, just like you guys, a lot of you guys participate in, they, they packed it full of different things, you know, tissue paper, you know, they know that Roy and I were there, and, and um, <laughs> pens and, 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 and candies and water bottles. But, but the most imp- this, there was a letter in there that was addressed to me from this from, <clears throat> church in Alabama that said, "I'm praying for you." That God will stir you and move you and I'm praying for your church. And Rory got one It said, Rory, written to him. And so they, I mean, they, they, were, they were loving that they, they, they're not just a church that's got all the information and we're going to give you information. They're saying, come and join with us. Come and join us. Come and partner with us. And we will take this thing to the end of the world. We got to speak to all these guys. I mean, it's, this is a list of, I mean, there's, so David Platt, a, a guy that you've, you've maybe heard of, he's an author and, and you know, had one of the videos, and, and Aaron shared his name, I think, and he's, he's, a, he's an author of books. Uh, this is the church we went to. He was the, he's the pastor there. Uh, he's an international speaker, um, and, and some of our small groups have, have even gone through books of this guy. Uh, his, his group that he's got there, this, this could have been a packed out thing. You know, I mean, he could have drawn thousands upon thousands. And he could have went and handpicked all these giant leaders to come in, and to speak. And been an impressive show. He, he chose to keep it small um, to the first hundred people. And only he had, all, all that was there was his people, his staff. Because he wanted to make connections and keep connections with the people that came there. They they freely handed out their email and they looked at Rory and I and said, We want to help you. You stay in contact with us. We want to hear what's going on. I mean, There's a lady that was giving stuff to Rory at the end of the thing. It's like, here, take this bracelet. Here. I mean, just people loving us and joining with us. And it was humbling. It was awesome. We felt very loved and cared for, and like they wanted to be this partner. <laughs> Roy, I don't know if you have your book. You do. They gave us this, which just got different tabs and stuff. It was for the teachings and for the you know, stuff to write down. But I like how Rory worded it. This is their treasure chest that they've worked on for years. And they talked about all their struggles in missions and how they're doing it long-term, short-term, midterm, term uh, just you know, dangers, you know, all these things. how to to equip people, what to expect. They gave us everything that they've got. And so we, we want you to have everything that we've got. We will help you in any way we can. And they gave this to every single one of the guys that showed up. And if that's not enough, God allowing us to go there, leading us to go there. We, we sit down in that room, back to that first night, with, with all these tables around. And, and Roy and I show up, and, and, and of course we, we know nobody. And, and, <clears throat> and there's a table in the back. It's got just a couple guys, three guys I think sitting at it. And Roy says, what if we go here, you know, we'll sit down here. Oh, yeah, okay. So we just randomly sit down at this table. And as you sit down, we've got, everybody's got a name tag, and so we're just kind of introducing ourselves to each other. And we're just going to be here for just a few minutes at these tables before we go uh, and join the entire church for their Sunday night gathering where David's preaching. We're just getting a little bit of instruction because we're going go to go the, to the service, and then we're going to come back. So we're just sitting here, and we start introducing ourselves. There's a couple of guys uh, from Alabama that you guys will get to know. Um, uh, I'm sorry from Georgia Lewis and Harry and they're pastors of a, of a church um, of a Baptist church Unity Baptist Church in Bonaire is that right? Georgia great guys great to get to know them and pray with them and then sitting over here to my left was another guy and uh, we, you know Roy and I just said hey who, what's your name this guy's name is Jack alright Jack you know and you look, and it, it's on your name tag, it says where you're from, what church you're from, you know, Prineville, Oregon. And, and uh, <clears throat> anyway, come, come to find out this guy um, is, is from Nepal. Well, the night before, Saturday night, Roy and I were, were, were talking and we're praying, and we're just talking about, you know, it's like David Platt's, you know, uh, I listen to, you know, his podcast, you know, frequently. And, and just a couple of months ago, he went on a mission trip that just rocked his world. He spent a couple of weeks in Nepal on this rugged mission trip with uh, five of his guys, I think. Uh, A couple of them come back. One of them's got a broken leg or something. One was getting surgery that day (laughs) when we were there. Um, They landed at 12,000 feet and went into the Himalayas. And I remember that teaching. I shared it with my mom. We listened to it one night, and Roy and I were talking about it on Saturday night, that night before, Right? And so across from us sits a guy, it's from Nepal, and I just and he's an American. I said, "Are you, are you the guy that was, that David Platt went with on this mission trip?" He said, "Yeah." And so we're like, "Whoa, this you know this is this is pretty amazing." So 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 we get to hear kind of about you know so so this guy Jack. Um, well, before I get into that, so, so we just kind of, you know, breathe like, whoa, that's pretty cool. So, so we then go into this giant church, you know, this is a church of, I don't know, four or 6,000 people. There was three services, so you can kind of do the math, you know, about a third of that was, was there that night. And it was a wonderful service, and as, I mean, you're just, it's, we're just flooding in this place and going to sit down. Rory and I go down and sit, you know, close to the front, put our Bibles down, and we're, and we're going to head out and use the restroom and get a drink. Well, we pass by Jack, Right. And Rory just, you know, being the open guy and, and, and warm guy that he is, just said, hey, Jack, our stuff is sitting way down there in the front, you know, kind of, I don't know, where, but we got some Bibles, you know, sit with us if you, if you like. And so we didn't even give him that great a direction, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and Rory, you know, and I go, and we come back, and he's, and he's sitting down by us, by our stuff, and so we, we just join him and worship him that night, and, and, and God begins to, God be, begins to, to, to knit our hearts, and and, and, and then we went back and we went, you know, back to that room where the tables were at and, and, and went in there and we talked some more with, with this guy, Jack, and, and um, you know, just started hearing about him and found out that he is the, well, he, it was funny because Rory said, okay, so you're, you're over there in Nepal. And, and so and it was like, what, what organization are you with? And he said, Mountain Child. And, and Rory said, well, how did you get hooked up with this Mountain Child organization? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm the founder. 20 years ago, Jack, I believe he was in California, with, 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 like an engineer or something like that, um, goes on, a, on a, uh, just a, a pleasure trip to the Himalayas on a 21-day trek with him and two guys. On day four, these three guys run into a string of children, I think like 20 or 25 children. With, with two guys so Jack asks them what, what are you guys doing and these guys openly tell these three guys we're taking these kids into the sex trade industry and they don't know it and, and right there Jack just falls apart uncontrollably weeping he leaves the the long-planned, very expensive journey, and goes back home. The other two guys continue on. It has just rocked his world; it's changed his life. He goes back to his job, weeping every day. And six months later, he just hands his resignation and he says, "I'm done." He goes back to Nepal, spends all of his money, single spends all of his money trying to help out, trying to figure out what to do. He quickly runs out, so he tries to figure out what what organization can I get with that can help me get here and start doing some research and helping. He lands in London. Um, and he's there for seven years uh, and, and meets his wife there. Long story short, he plants a church there that's still going today. Um, and then he takes this detour to South Korea and, um, uh, that, that God had ordained. And, and, and then he ends up back in Nepal. So he started, he's founded this uh, organization, Mountain Child. In, in Nepal, I'd love to tell you guys all about it. I'm running short on time here. So um, <clears throat> let me get through here some. Over the course of the next few days, we, have, we, we, we sit by Jack, or he sits by us at this table each time, and, and more and more conversations are taking place. And um, this guy, there's a few stories, I don't have time to tell you any of the stories today, but we'll, we'll talk to you about them later. Um, just crazy stories that you're like, that you've maybe heard of or read of that people do being led by the Spirit to do, and you're like, what in the world? He lives in this sex trade industry, sees that. That's one of the things that they fight in the social injustices of Nepal. A station out of Kathmandu, they go up and they they reach all these very difficult, hard-to-reach peoples. Um, They're working. Their work is amazing what they're doing. They see all these hard things. And Rory and I just like, how do you do this? Hearing these stories and just like, how do you function He's had people that were there, I think just four years, that just like are, are like on the edge of it, you know, fighting this in, in the sex trafficking and, and they're just having a nervous breakdown. And we just this guy's just a picture of calm. He's just very quiet, very calm, just spirit-filled guy. I, I, we're sitting here we're looking at this guy, and it's like, you, you know God. You are filled with the spirit of God. You you walk with him out of necessity daily. And this guy just walks around with the wrong, and he spoke at this thing, and then once people figured out who this guy was, people are kind of flocking to him, and get, and he's just spend, and he's spending time with Rory and I. We we're just telling him a little bit about what's going on here, about the excitement, about what God is doing, and he's like, man, he just he's loving that. We let him know that we're very unimpressive and that we're struggling, and he doesn't care. We're uneducated. We don't have really a whole lot going for us if it isn't God. He's like, that's that's great. And and this this. Hero of the faith, a modern day hero of the faith looks at us and says, God has opened up my heart to you guys. I want to I join you. I want to partner with you. Because I think that God is doing something in your church family. I don't need anything else. I've got no reservations, he said. I don't need a dime from you. If you, if you want to go to Thailand and, and, and do things there, I want to help you. You don't ever have to come here. And like, well, we want to come there, you know, we see what you're doing, it's amazing. They're working on languages, I mean, it's amazing. There's people groups up there that have got no written language. They have no way to even, Jesus Christ loves you, he died for you. What do you mean? They have no word for love. I mean, so they're working with, I mean, the work that's going on there is amazing. And and we don't worship this guy. We worship the God who, through this guy, would look on us in favor and go, Come, you can come with me. Come with me. You can come on mission with me to the ends of the earth. So we are so uh, excited about what God would have for us in this connection with Jack. We, we've already started emailing, and he's talked to us about different things that we could be a part of. And, and um, we're, just, uh, we're just completely just, just thrilled uh, that God would shine upon this little group of people here. And it's not just Rory and Kevin. It's not just the elders. That he is for this church. And he let us know just yesterday in email, I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for your church, that your church will hear the call of God. One of the last things I asked him, I said, you know, you fly in and out, he flies in and out of London to go, he's all over, he's got a lot of people that work for him, his international deal, and he flies in and out of Los Angeles, rather, I think his parents live there, and, and, and I said, just one of these trips sometime, if we paid for your flight, would you come up here, and you just share what's going on, would you just, would you just talk to us, and we'll, we'll pay for your flight, we'll take care of you, and he said, I will come, and I will pay for my own flight. And, and so we're just, we're, we prayed for connections, we prayed for open doors, you prayed for that. And God is doing this.
1: So, hundreds of pastors going to this thing, and everyone had the same experience with the Lord speaking to them, and conviction of just where we've been falling short. One man we drove to the airport on the way back said, I feel like an alcoholic who just realized he's an alcoholic. He says, I owe my church an apology for giving an incomplete message, an incomplete narrative of God's plan. And so we want you to know that this idea of making disciples of all nations for the chief end of the glory of God is our mission as a church. It's, it's something that we are all about it's something that everything that we do in the church with our budget, the way we preach, the way we pray, the way we raise our kids, the way we teach children's ministry, uh, the way we spend our personal time and our personal lives, it's got to fall under that umbrella of the chief meta narrative of the word of God making disciples of all nations so that they can all glorify God. And we know that this is just the top of the iceberg in explaining it to you. And so we just want to call you to follow as jesus walked by the disciples at the sea of galilee and he just said follow me and the spirit of the lord god caused them to drop their nets and leave their boat and leave everything they had and follow god as dietrich bonhoeffer says when a man bids a, a man when a, when god bids a man he bids him come and die and so we would just say hear the summons of the lord talking to our church and to you and come with us Uh, We're going to have a workshop in two weeks on June 7th, on a Saturday from 8 to 4, and we're going to teach more of what we've just been learning, and we're going to answer questions and work through things with you guys. We encourage you to make it happen to be there. Free up stuff. It might mean counting the cost a little bit, but be here at the church from 8 to noon, and we want to teach and explain, answer questions, and uh, we're going on an adventure with the Lord about his glory to the ends of the earth. And so be in prayer for our church, be in prayer for our leadership, and I want you to go home this afternoon and search your heart and pray that God would show you what this means for you. Let me pray real quick over this all. Jesus, we thank you for your great grace that you've been moving our church, not just this week. This isn't anything new. This is just the process that you've been leading us as we've seen in our history. And Lord, we just pray that you would... Uh, by your spirit quench the lies from the enemy and the desires of our flesh to rule and be worshipped and lord that we would fix our gaze on you and for your glory and for those nations that they would all come to know you and see your splendor that your great name would be declared help us lord in this process we give you all the glory in jesus name amen amen god bless